Hi there, you're listening to my podcast, which is called Despierta. And in this recording and the following recordings, uh, you're going to hear a dialogue between me, Nagapriya, and Diamati uh, in relation to a series of texts by the medieval Pure Land teacher, Shinran. Uh, you can find the text on shinranworks.com. Uh, and the first text that we're, we're going to look at is called uh, Notes on the Essentials of Faith Alone. Uh, these were notes that Shinran made on a text written by another Pure Land teacher uh, about the idea that what is essential uh, in salvation or in realization in the Pure Land tradition is to have faith uh, that the cosmic Buddha Amida has uh, transferred to us his immense merits and those immense merits would enable us to uh, be reborn in the pure land where we will gain full enlightenment. In fact, uh, Shinran suggests that we have already been born in the pure land if we now have confidence in Amida and that confidence uh, Shinran calls Shinjin. So I hope you enjoy uh, these series of uh, podcasts. Yeah, so you were talking about Mapo and the beginning of Mapo and different views on that, I think. Yeah, and, and it was, it was, it, it came to be tied up with, with uh, political currents in, in, in Japan. But independently of all that, just the general notion that um, receptivity to the Dharma degenerates over time seems to me mm. to make a lot of sense. Okay. And um, and <clears throat> when the, when the Buddha lived, there were there were a good many people who were um, <clears throat> doing the same thing that it, that he was doing. I mean. People who were living an ascetic life, who were gathering followers around them, who were being supported by by the community, and there there was rivalry among them, but at the same time there was still tended to be respect. And and it feels to me that the society that we're living in, especially I'd say in the West, um, is no longer a society that really supports um, religious teachers in the in the way that it that it did at the time of the of the Buddha. And um, insofar as we are all supported by society in, in various ways, I think I think the support is extremely important. We've talked before about about um, sangha. You know that 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 practice within the context of sangha is extremely important. And I think that having a having a sangha in the context of a society is also very important. And that the challenges of the, the challenges of um, individualism and the general tendency toward um, secularism that you find in society 
these days works against individuals who are trying to live a spiritual life. Right. So, so you're giving a, a kind of, uh, to some extent, a sort of social historical um, kind of account of MAPA. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And obviously Shinran well, was living in uh, the Kamakura period, wasn't he, in uh, right. Japan, which, right. as I understand it, was quite a, there was quite a lot of lawlessness going on. It wasn't the most kind of settled time uh, right. in terms of social circumstances. But right. I, was, I was wondering whether we could interpret Mapo uh, existentially as well. Um, uh, kind of Mapo as uh, representing the existential condition, uh, which is a kind of alienation from the Dharma or something like that. Um, uh, I don't know what you think of that. No, that, I, I, I definitely think that that's that, that's a, a legitimate interpretation. I just I think that the I think that the two of them. Um, aren't mutually exclusive. I think they, 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 they work very much hand in hand. But, I, but, but the, from the point of view of the individual, I think that's certainly, certainly the, the case that the um, tendency toward um, greater and greater ego involvement um, militates against making any kind of progress spiritual progress and and the emphasis on um, other power is a corrective to that yeah and in in in, in 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 a way one of the uh, one of the puzzles of anything that that has to do with with grace which this this very much is a kind of doctrine of of grace that there's this capacity that one has been given independently of one's ability to do it, right? So one of the puzzles of that is if you are enmeshed in a, in a, a kind of egocentric worldview, how is it that you can make the transition from self-power to other power? Yeah, and I seem to constantly go back to that and find myself uh, puzzled by it. Um, uh, because, you know, while on the one, one hand, uh, I find many aspects of, um, uh, of what Shinran says very attractive, uh, particularly this idea that there, well, in a way, enlightenment is reaching out to you, I guess. He's, he's really saying that. And, and not only that, but it's reaching out in a, in a personal form in a through amitabha you know amitabha is reaching out to you it's not just some abstract possibility if you like but but a, a, an active personal force um mm. that's reaching out to you with with compassion uh but yeah as you say if we are so enmeshed in uh our ignorance and uh our uh arrogance of self-power how can we embrace that? Uh, you know, how can we open up to that? Mm -hmm. And I know that one of the answers that he offers is that, well, even your capacity to embrace that is a further aspect of uh, Amitabha's compassion. 
you know in other words your uh, it's uh, your your response to Amitabha itself is an expression of other power and uh, not of self power um, mm -hmm. uh, it's a it's a, a legacy of Amitabha's merit but it still doesn't really solve the the practical or um, uh, yeah the practical issue of but what if you don't feel that or see that or that 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 seems to be the 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 basic problem and and obviously because the whole idea is so unfamiliar or even crazy you could say um that means that it's not that easy to just think ah okay right fine i've been grasped never to be abandoned uh, by amitabha my mind is identical to Amitabha. I'm just going to relax and rejoice in all of that. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and it could it could well be. I mean, one of one of the um, very prominent movements in, in the 20th and the 21st century has been the 12-step movement, dealing with various all kinds of different addictions. And, and one of the um, one of the principles of, of that movement is that is that you're ready to to um, to move into the entire culture of twelve step at that point when you've utterly failed uh, in every other way when when you when you hit the bottom is the in, in the way that they often put it. You just hit, you know, <clears throat> reach, reach the, uh, reach the, the, the bottom of the abyss, <laughs> and and realize that 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 you've done that because you you keep thinking that you can beat this thing by yourself, and then you realize you can't. <clears throat> Maybe that something somewhat less dramatic than that. Um, happens in the spiritual life. I mean, you know, it's, I think, well, I'm, maybe I'm only speaking for myself, but it seems to me that progress is, is rather slow. <clears throat> and um, I think there have been periods when, um, you know, you could call them sort of metanoia periods or conversion periods when my entire orientation has changed fairly radically and dramatically, but then after that, really developing a more refined mentality has been slow. <coughs> and maybe, maybe, maybe one of the, one, maybe one of the things that's required is just to sort of take stock of, uh, you know, just sort of look at yourself and look at all of the practices you've been doing and say, how's that working for you? <laughs> and realize that it's, it's, it's been of limited success. Yeah, I mean, I was speaking to a couple of friends the other day, and perhaps partly based on the fact that we started looking at uh, notes on the essentials of faith alone. Uh, but I said to them, I don't believe that I'm capable of reaching enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And that's genuinely what I think. Uh, and part of me feels like um, ashamed, if you like, or uh, 
you know, like I'm, I'm saying a rude word uh, by, by saying that out loud. Right. And part of me feels relieved. Uh, and part of me feels like, well, that's just reality. That's how things are. Obviously, uh, I cannot attain enlightenment because going back to what I was saying earlier, the ego cannot attain enlightenment. Um, uh, and while we continue to base our Dharma practice on the logic of, you know, a self that develops and attains, uh, we will never, uh, we'll, we will never reach any kind of uh, awakening. Um, right. Awakening is precisely the breaking up of that. So I think, you know, going back to my phrase, I don't believe that I can attain enlightenment, at least on one level, you know, I'm quite happy with it. You know, obviously it depends what one means by I, right? But I, I, I suppose what I meant, I didn't really think about this at the time, but I meant that, you know, me as a, a kind of ego, the small me, if you like, uh, the, the, the daily me. And uh, I do find increasingly attractive the idea that what um, uh, insight or uh, enlightenment consists in is uh, an influence that breaks through my normal logic, if you like, um, as it were from outside, um, and that starts to inform and influence my uh, decisions uh, and conduct. Uh, but it doesn't belong to me, you know, and it's not me in the sense of it's not part of my my ego identity. Mm. I mean, this, this this seems to be a lot of what Shinran is driving at. Uh, at least that's how it seems to me. What kind of what kind of reaction did 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 you receive when you said that? Well, I was only with two other people. Uh, yeah. and uh, one of them didn't say anything and the other one said oh well I believe that I can at least attain stream entry in this life uh, yeah. and that's what I'm striving for yeah. and and I, I you know I listened to that and I thought on one level well that kind of sounds okay but then I thought but it's just the same thing isn't it it's just like the ego trying to reach something trying to transcend itself and obviously it can't Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the only way that transcendence can happen is through the abandonment of that uh, th that whole um, way of functioning, I guess. And uh, well, th this is what I think very, very strongly um, Shinran uh, indicates. And, and, and if we can maybe move forward a little bit, one of the big ideas that comes into the text not much after that is where he talks about um, Amitabha, Avalokiteshvara, and Mahastama Prapta uh, mm. come of themselves to welcome us to the Pure Land. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, he talks, uh, he, he emphasizes this of themselves. And he glosses that, or he uh, glosses that in terms of G and then uh, Jinin, uh, which he uh, interprets to mean to become so, to, make, to be made to become so. Right. Um, and th this idea of Jinin is one of the ideas in Shinran that's always tantalized me. And I've never quite been able to really quite grasp what I think it means. Uh, but what it does mean, uh, as he makes clear, it's 
is that it's without the practices calculating in any way whatsoever. So in other words, it's something that involves the abandonment of ego striving, I guess, you know, this idea that, okay, if I put in all this effort, uh, then I will get to enlightenment. Uh, and so to me, it kind of hints at a kind of um, like shifting to a, another way of seeing things or another way of, um, another way of understanding, uh, another kind of logic. And it seems to be almost, almost suggesting something emerging or manifesting through you, um, which I find very, very tantalizing. I, I think it does relate to the idea of Buddha nature. I think it does. Uh, but Buddha nature as a kind of almost as a, a person maybe or as a, a personal force acting through you, not some abstract uh, metaphysical principle or some uh, possibility, uh, but a compassionate force that, that reveals itself through you without, without any effort on your part. And he goes on to talk about it uh, below. Uh, well, he, he, he equates it with Shinjin or he, he links it with Shinjin. Um, and he says, yeah, since there is no contriving in any way to gain such virtues, it is called Jinen. Those persons who have attained true and real Shinjin are taken into and protected by this vow that grasps never to be abandoned, never to abandon, sorry. Therefore, they realize the diamond-like mind without any calculation on their own part and thus dwell in the stage of the truly settled. So one of the things I'm always puzzled by is what the relationship between Jinin and Shinjin is. Um, and I'm, I'm still not really sure. Uh, I, I wonder whether Shinjin is attempting to describe the sort of subjective... Um, experience of um, of coming to have confidence in Amida's vow and Jinin is more like communicating how the vow expresses itself through you or something like that I'm struggling a little bit and I'm, I'm wondering if you've got any thoughts on it Um, no, I, 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 I struggle in the, in the same, in the same way. I, I think we, we've, we've talked before about the, the, the way in which, um, one, one of the features of stream entry is is abandoning Shila Vrata Paramarsha, and and uh, and I've mentioned that one of the one of the ways that I've seen that explained or glossed, I th as I recall, it was in the uh, in a commentary to uh, to Buddhaghosa's Path of Purity, um, but I but I may be wrong about where I saw this, but it, but it says that um, Shila Vrata Paramarsha, which literally means kind of an addiction to um, good conduct and vows. Um, that 
what that means is undertaking good conduct, Sheila, and, and vows, um, making vows with the intention of benefiting from them. In other words, calculating the benefit to oneself. Right. Yeah. And he literally uses yeah. the phrase, the Pali equivalent of the phrase, that what this calculation consists in is saying, what is in this for me? <laughs> so, a very, in a very idiomatic uh, English uh, expression as well, what's in this for me? Yeah. And, yes. and, Mm. Yeah, and and so I I think that uh, Shin Shin which is um, often well, I think the Japanese characters, as I recall, means like pure or true um, heart or mind. The second Shin yeah. is, is sometimes mind. they translate it as true and trusting. Right, right. And and then I'm I'm not clear how that relates to to Jinan. I mean Jinan seems to be that these things happen automatically or by themselves. I mean that it's not that you do them, it's just that that's the automatic result of having maybe it's the automatic result of of having um pure faith yeah i mean maybe the intention of uh Junin is to emphasize the fact that uh shinjin uh does not arise as a consequence of calculation you know hakurai um so you know following what you were just saying right. um shinjin is not does not arise through thinking um right i'll practice this and then I'll get this result. It, it doesn't belong to that kind of logic. Right. Um, and so, and I think maybe one of the consequences of that is, is there's no way that the ego can appropriate Shinjin because uh, the ego has done absolutely nothing uh, to bring it about because uh, the, the, you know, the ego tendency can do nothing uh, right. to bring about Shinjin. Um, and so maybe this, embracing of the idea that it manifests well you don't even know how it manifests it manifests spontaneously or without your own calculation maybe that indicates or suggests a sense of kind of wonder uh, and mystery and, and gratitude uh, instead of thinking oh look what i did you know uh, through through my own efforts how how great am i you can't you can't be proud of your shinjin Right. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, there was a, a, a bit further on as well, really still touching on the same uh, topic. Uh, but uh, uh, Shinran uh, glosses the, this idea to welcome, come to welcome and, and to welcome. And when he talks about uh, to welcome, uh, and what that means, he then says, uh, hearing the inconceivable selected primal vow and the holy name of supreme wisdom, 
without a single doubt, is called true and real Shinjin. Mm. It is also called the diamond-like mind. When sentient beings realize this Shinjin, they attain the equal of perfect enlightenment and will ultimately attain the supreme enlightenment, being of the same stage as Maitreya, the future Buddha. That is, they become established in the stage of the truly settled. Hence, Shinjin is like a diamond, never breaking or degenerating or becoming fragmented. Thus, we speak of diamond-like Shinjin. This is the meaning of to welcome. I found that really quite powerful, actually, as a, uh, a whole vision. Uh, but what I immediately started to uh, think of you know, is the idea of some kind of permanent change, you know, in obviously in Pali Buddhism, we talk about stream entry or something, some, something like that. But the, the arising of some understanding or some orientation uh, that you will not fall back from. Mm -hmm. And it seems that Shinran's making it very, very clear that that's what Shinjin is. Uh, if Shinjin arises, uh, there is no going back. There's no falling back from that. It's not a temporary uh, state or it's not a temporary um, uh, attitude. It, 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 it's something uh, certain and uh, forever, if you like. But also that a slightly, in a slightly complicated way, um, you're, you're kind of destined um, for enlightenment but it seems like you haven't yet fully attained complete enlightenment because your, your state is similar to Maitreya, who in theory, I think, has not yet um, fully uh, realized enlightenment. But he, he, and I like this idea of the truly settled, the stage of the truly settled. That, that for me, gives, uh, communicates this idea of something kind of really stable mm -hmm. uh, that, you're, you know, that you're not going to fall back from. What's interesting as well, though, I think, is that um, usually uh, when we talk about um, like some decisive um, change or um, att attainment, I'm going to use the word attainment for now, uh, in Buddhism is most often seen in terms of uh, uh, wisdom uh, or some kind of... Uh, you know, cognitive change, pragna, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And what seems very clear here is that that change is understood in terms of, uh, well, I'm going to say faith, but it more like a kind of confidence, really, a kind of um, maybe a serene confidence or something. Uh, so it's not seen so in uh, intellectual terms, maybe more in... Um, uh, emotional terms, would it be? Affect. Uh, yeah, right, in effective terms. Yeah. Uh, and that's quite striking as well for me. Yeah, I, I, um, I recall having a conversation with, with a, um, uh, a man who he was a uh, Presbyterian, <clears throat> and um, 
there there is a certain similarity in in a way in in the uh the presbyterian view that um it's been decided from the very beginning whether you're saved or or not so i mean there's this kind of double pre predestination you you're either you're either saved or not where whereas in shinran it seems to be that um there there is no or not <laughs> to it because because yeah. it's because it really is universalist uh, and, yeah. and and maybe that's an important difference uh, to what this person was was telling me but he he said that as, that as a that it's fairly common among presbyterians who uh, who 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 look for signs that they have been saved um that they become extremely almost neurotic about lapses in judgment or lapses in in conduct because if there is a lapse then that would surely be a sign that they have not been saved hmm. yeah um, yeah i think shinran's view shinran's view sorry is quite different from that it is yeah uh, and uh, i i think you know he would definitely not say that if you notice a lapse then that means you haven't realized shinjin you probably no. more likely say that that's all your calculating mind uh, because right. because your your very uh, salvation doesn't have anything to do with uh, whether you're on the mundane level or the day-to-day -day level uh, ethical or not which doesn't mean either that you then it's okay to act unethically uh, he does have a whole um, kind of analysis of that um, uh, you know I think in one of his letters he talks about how some of his followers had stopped following the precepts because they believed that they'd attained Shinjin right. and he said that that was completely wrong um, right. so that the, the fact that we've been saved by Amida's vow doesn't mean that we should then suddenly start acting unethically because it doesn't matter right. um, uh, but equally mm -hmm. the acting ethically uh, isn't the means by which we uh, uh, which we attain Shinjin either. So it's quite a, and I, I think he is the view of ethics tends to be more uh, kind of related to gratitude. I think um, so. You, you practice ethics out of gratitude, and just because it's that's what it seems the right thing to do, I guess. Instead of thinking that oh, uh, you know, if I going back to your idea, of what's in it for me? You know, m much of our ethical practice is about what's in it for me, isn't it? Uh, rather right. than just thinking, well, I'll just act well because, because that, you know, because you act well and that's the right thing to do. Right. Yeah. I, I, I sometimes wonder, uh, I, I think I've, I've mentioned before that, a, that a, uh, Jodo Shinshu priest that I knew, said that there are still today in Japan people who understand Shinran as um, as disparag disparaging self-effort to such an extent <clears throat> that the way that they interpret that is that, is that in order to show that they have 
confidence in the primal vow rather than in their own power. They actually deliberately act uh, in, an, in an antinomian, antisocial way, break precepts. So, and, uh, um, and there's a, 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 you know, a minority of people who do that. And it's, as you mentioned, it was, it, was com it was not common, but it was known in Shinran's time that some people interpreted it in that way. Mm. And tried to disabuse him of that, um, but it does it does raise for me the, the the question of how does Shenron look at lapses? And I, I think you 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 suggested well, if you have a lapse, it means that you you have uh, lapsed into calculating mind again, ego. You know the ego calculating. Mm. Um, because usually a lapse is something that comes about because you are trying to do something for yourself. I mean, that's usually the, the nature of the violation of any precept, isn't it? Is that you're disregarding the effect that your action has on somebody else because you see that this action may have some benefit for yourself. So it's in the very nature of breaking a precept that you're being self-centered. Yeah, I mean, I, I would see it, uh, uh, well, thinking about what you're saying, that um, the lapses would arise when you're, when you're not as um, aware of, uh, of Amida's vow. Basically, you're not aware of the fact that... Um, of Amida's compassion, because I think the the the, uh, the obvious um, response to Amida's compassion is gratitude. I think, and I, I that's one of, and and uh, I think one of the other things they talk about is like feeling unworthy or something like that. Um, but let's just stick with the the gratitude. And so I think it, when you're in a state of gratitude. Uh, that strikes me as a very kind of generous and expansive um, state. And uh, when, when we're aware of having been given a huge gift, I think we're very unlikely to act in a very selfish way at that time, uh, that seems to me. Um, so what I'm trying to say is that the lapses maybe arise when we lose touch with uh the this this amazing reality mm -hmm. uh that amitabha has gifted his mind to us has gifted his merits to us um independently of our deserving it or not um, um and yeah so when we forget about that and maybe we retract into our little daily mind again you know our, our uh, uh, ordinary ego functioning well, that's when we're likely to to break the precepts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, it, what what I'm wondering now is whether a lot of what um, is needed uh, in the the Shin perspective is a is to maintain uh, imagination, like the imaginative connection with this whole mythic narrative. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe they'd say that the point comes where uh, you feel Shinjin so strongly, if you like, that you don't really need to make effort to be aware of it. 
Um, I don't know. Uh, but I, I find that through just opening, if you like, opening up my imagination uh, to this mythic story and what it implies, it kind of has an effect uh, on me. Um, and, uh, it, and I find myself kind of entering into it, if you like, uh, to some extent. I, I, I can't say that I that Shinjin has arisen. I, I'm not going to say that, but I, sometimes I feel that the whole uh, mythic narrative, it kind of makes sense and I can really uh, connect with it. And it, it gives me a certain kind of, um, uh, yeah, serenity or um, makes me feel um, relaxed and happy. Right. Um, Thank you.